continue in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and just in case, you know, you want to get caught up and you're wondering uh, what this is. This is Jesus towards the end of his ministry. And he has gotten into it with the scribes and the Pharisees on almost every level. Because at this point, uh, putting it mildly, Jesus basically sees what they're doing within the synagogue in the synagogue as hypocritical. And he's taking every opportunity to call him on that. And of course, don't think that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the church leadership, is not taking every opportunity to what? Go after him. And to try to discredit him. And of course, part of that is all about is because the longer he went, and the further his ministry got, and the more people that were affected, how did the leaders interpret that? That he was gathering power. And that pretty soon their jobs weren't going to be worth too much if they let him go unchecked. But of course that also tells you that they weren't really paying attention to their faith to begin with. If they were so worried about Jesus, having too much power and control, that Jesus was giving it away, amen? What is one of the things that you know about Jesus? You know, I have, I have uh, preached now for a long time that Jesus and our church, and we teach this here, is not out to fix people. We're here to meet the needs. Where do you think that come from? Did Jesus, as close as you can remember any of the stories, did he ever fix anybody? Remember, you're talking about healing. Oh. There's a difference between fixing and healing. Okay. <laughs> no. Did you see Jesus fix the whore that was about to be, or the, the uh, adulteress who was about to be stoned? No. No, he just said, don't do it again. No one's here to accuse you. Responsible for yeah, you're responsible for fixing yourself. No, actually, that's... Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's okay. not exactly correct. <laughs> he made them responsible... For their actions. For their actions. Okay. Now, he did tell her to go and do it no more, right. but he also had it set up so that if she did slip, they couldn't kill her. Why? Because in order to put somebody to death, you got to have no sin. So, again, I'm asking the question, did Jesus ever fix anybody? Can you think of any time? That was a good, nice try. Fix them like, uh, as far as like make them make them right when they went off. Well, what does it mean when we say fix something? If you've got a flat tire, you fix it. You raise somebody from the dead. But that's not okay. fixing it. He's, okay, he's why is that not fixing it? Because he met a spiritual need. I mean, to me. This guy's good. And did he walk in there and go, oh, by the way, I am here to be a hero? No. No. No, he was asked, and this is my point, is that almost every miracle that we talk about, almost every action of Jesus come because somebody came to him and said, I have a need. That is why the hygiene kits with Gentle Spirit Christian Church took off, because back when we were handing out lunches and Bibles, you know, it was no big deal. I mean, we went through a learning process about handing out food and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, now, by the way, folks, you need to pray for your pastor.
because uh, do you know Marshall? You've heard me talk about Marshall uh, Renis Fur. Uh, he works for uh, Atlanta Harm, and he does a lot of work with the homeless. We have found out this week that the city of Atlanta has decided to enforce their ordinance of not feeding the hungry. Yeah. Publicly feeding them. Yeah. I want you to know that Marshall and I are not happy about that. Yeah. So, number one, you need to pray. Number two, you need to start saving your money. <laughs> so you bail my butt out of jail. I don't think I'm going to do well in jail. But if that's what it takes, okay, because I cannot believe... I saw a picture of a guy digging through a garbage can. If that, you know, and, and there are some people that are so cold and cynical. They saw that picture and said, well, all he needs to do is get off of drugs and go get a job. Yeah. Like, that's easy. Okay, where's he supposed to get rehab? As simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and who's going to hire him? Yeah. I mean, you know. Especially if he has a police... If he has a, uh, a prison record, that's going to be... Right. So this is where this really starts today, folks. In this story that you're about to hear is the religious authorities, who were really the law, are, are trying to set Jesus up. And it goes as follows. Then the Pharisees plotted a way to trap him into saying something damaging. They sent their disciples with a few of Herod's followers in the mix to ask. Which, by the way, that's already hypocritical. Okay? Because the Jews, you know, the average American Jew, American Jew, the average Jerusalem Jew didn't like the Herodians. And why not? Because Herod was screwing anything that would move. He was an adulterer. He'd also sold out to Rome. So the fact that the religious leaders sent some people with their people from him already tells you that they were trying to play both ends against the middle. Okay? Teacher, get this, this is dripping with sarcasm. Teacher, we know you have integrity. Teach the way of God accurately and are indifferent to popular opinion, and you don't pander to your students. So tell us honestly, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Let's stop there for a minute. Let me puff up your head and then ask my question. Yes. <laughs> we know you're an honest guy. And we know that you don't Make things easy on your followers. Should we be paying taxes to Caesar? Folks, what do you think? Well, that's because you know the front end of that. The back end. No, the back end of the story. But what do you think when you hear that? I mean, if we're really honest, as Americans who are what? Capitalists. What are we taught? Pay your taxes. I mean, we have made it, we have made it a matter of being patriotic. If you don't pay your taxes, somehow you don't love the country. Who is your God, Yahweh or Caesar? So, now, the reason 
this was a no-win situation for Jesus on this question is because obviously the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't want to pay tax to Rome, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, the Herodians, well, they were in favor of those taxes. Why? Because they, Herod was giving off the top. He was, he was getting the payoff. Yeah, he was in cahoots with Caesar. All right, so now they think they got it. You need to tell us, should we be paying this tax? Yeah, there is no good answer. And Jesus knew they were up to no good. And he said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? Do you have a coin? Let me see it. And they handed him a silver piece. This engraving, who does it look like? And whose name is on it? And they said, Caesar. Then give to Caesar what is his. And give God what is God's. The Pharisees were speechless, and they went off shaking their head. <laughs> and saying under the breath, crap, we didn't take the bait. <laughs> I thought for sure we had him. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and what is God's to God. So, what is God's? You, our, life. our life, our life, our love, our love, our faith, passion, prayer, everything in the universe. Passion, prayer, intelligence, what else? Our faith. Alright, here's the question you need to answer. How many of you, don't, don't, don't raise your hand, this is one of these things you don't want, I, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, because this is between you and God. But how many of you tithe? Okay. And as you think about that, how many of you have to really work to volunteer time to work at this church? And once you're done with that, how many of you help the homeless person either get something to eat, something to drink, or shelter. And then when you're done with that, how many of you helped somebody who was homeless to get semi-permanent shelter? Here's what this story is about. Everywhere you, whenever you've heard this story preached, what is it? It's a, it's a stewardship sermon, amen? You know, y'all got to dig down deep into your pockets and sign your pledge cards and do all that crap that the mainline church wants you to do to support their budget. Amen? And, and, and Lance and I have been very clear on this for a long time. I do not do money sermons. It's between you and God. So if it's not about money... What is it about, really? You see, Jesus wasn't also snooty with them, but he asked them a real question. What are you giving to God? Now, you know, that's a really hard question to talk about. Okay. Have you ever heard of, God, of Jesus giving to the Gentiles? 
Well, he talked about tithing. I mean, he observed. And, and just because we don't have a physical story about him tithing didn't mean he didn't. Because he supported it. Although, he did have something to say about that, remember? Because remember when he was standing there at the, at the uh, temple and the Pharisee come by and dropped in his 10%? And then this lady come by and she dropped in two pennies and he looked at his disciples and said, so who did what they were... Who's blessed in the eyes of God? And they didn't have an answer to that because they thought... He was trying to trap him, so he said, look, it's really pretty simple. The Pharisee gave out of what he could afford. The woman, she is blessed because she gave what she couldn't afford. Hello. When was the last time you made a donation to something and you couldn't afford it? Ow. Wait a minute, Pastor. What? Now, come on, you've just gone for preaching. I was doing fine, but now you're meddling. No, because that's what this story is about. What are you giving to God? And the bottom line is, the reason it's so hard for us to wrap our head around that is because we are a bunch of capitalists. That is what we are taught. Do you remember when we got our uh, little doohickey there? The organ? Yeah. Okay. You remember the people that gave it to us? You know? Right away, shortly after that, they kind of wanted to control the message all of a sudden. And they also wanted to make sure that it was pointed out how great they were because they gave us this gift. Amen? You remember that? And then pretty soon they weren't here. You know, pretty soon the pastor got uh, uh, criticized for being too political and yada, 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 and then they, they were no longer here. Well, isn't that what we do, really? We make an investment, and what do we expect? What are we taught when we make an investment? A return on investment. That's right. So if I'm going to invest in this church, I better get some kind of return. Amen? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to tithe, that's my investment. You see, i got to tell you, folks, that is wrong thinking. In AA, they call that stinking thinking. Because the investment has already happened. Who invested? Jesus. Well, yes. But God. God has already invested in you. Handed you this planet. And said what? You've got dominion over everything. Take care of it. And yet here we are. Worried about whether we put five bucks in an offering plate and is the choir going to sing well enough? Or is the pastor going to preach short? I found, I found this illustration that kind of makes that point. In a church, a minister announced that if his congregation reached a certain fundraising goal, he would permit them to place a clock on the pulpit. A clock? A clock. Oh, wait. On the pulpit. Wait, wait. Can you read that again? Yeah. In one church, the minister announced that if his congregation reached a certain fundraising goal, he would permit them to place a clock on the pulpit. If they exceeded the goal by $1,000, 
he would let them plug the clock in. If they exceeded the goal by $2,000, he agreed to look at it. You understand where this is going? People think because they pull something out of their money, out of their pocket, and it's called money, that they ought to be getting something back. So they're going to give over $2,000 to get the pastor to shut up. On time. Or run on time, amen? <laughs> I can't tell you the last time this church started on time, but we don't. And why is that? Part of it's because when you first get here in the morning, there's what? There's lots of conversations going on, isn't there? A lot of fellowship, people getting to know each other. I am not going to interrupt that. I'm also going to give other people who are habitually running behind, chance to get I won't name any names, a chance James. to get here before we get to the message. Amen? And the other side of that is, I've also decided at this point that if God is invested in us, then what we owe God is what? A return. Yeah. Boy, won't that change your life. Won't that change your life. How are you living your life? Are you the return that God is expecting? Oh, pastor, you didn't say that to me. Yes, sir. Isaiah 55, 11. Uh, so as the snow and the rain comes down from heaven and gives bread to the sower and, and wheat to those, so does my word that's not returned to me void. So what this message is about and what you're going to leave here today with is a very simple question. God is invested in you. You are uniquely and wonderfully made in the image of God. And God has given you the ability to think. The ability to be fair, to be forgiven, and to walk humbly with that which created you. That has all been invested in you. So today there's just one question. What's God's return that you're giving him? That you're giving back to God. And see, you don't need a set of rules in the church. You know, in, the, in, the, in churches they have like active membership. Okay, I remember sitting in church meetings as a pastor at, in MCC and listening to fights over, well, they got to be here three out of four Sundays. They got to tithe. They got to this. They got to that. And they got, no, folks. The only person who can answer that return on investment is you. And I would hope that you would think about it this week. God bless you.